This podcast is sponsored by Exobionics, the makers of the medical exoskeleton ExoGT that aids in early mobility for rehabilitation. Learn more at exobionics.com or join us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. Take the next step with us. Making moves. Welcome to the first ever Making Moves podcast, where we give you a look into our lives through living with a spinal cord injury. You'll hear about our failures, our victories, ups and downs, sometimes from the floor, and our pursuit of living life to the fullest. How is everyone today? Yeah, Amazing. Great. Thank you for joining us. I'm Shane Mosco. I'm here with Sasha, Dale, and Tiffany. Yes. We all have a spinal cord injury, and we're living life, and we're here today to talk to you about what we've gone through and where we turn to for support and what we're doing with our lives now and, and how we're living past this injury and past all the drama and, and trouble that this injury brings. So, Sasha, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, can you let us know about your injury? Great. So, uh, I'm Sasha. I am a 21-year-old college student at The Ohio State University, and last March on the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, I fell off a second-story balcony, and I sustained a L1 spinal cord injury. That's about it. Thank, thank you. Uh, yes. Or we're going to actually we're gonna go with Dale. Oh, okay. So, Dale, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit first of how you got injured, sure. please? Yeah, sure. So, my name's Dale Messenger. I'm uh, from the UK. I'm an Army veteran. I'm 38 years old, and in 2009, I was shot in an incident which left me with a L1 spinal cord injury. L1 crew. Tiffany, would you please share with us? Yes, definitely. My name is Tiffany Adams, and I was involved in a head-on vehicle collision that was caused by a drunk driver, and that allowed me, I wouldn't say allowed, but um, caused a spinal cord injury at the level supposedly T10. Okay, that's very interesting because my injury, actually, I was drunk driving. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed no one was injured and I didn't hurt anybody else. And I sustained a T12 incomplete spinal cord injury. So we'll, we're going to get back to that later yeah. in the show. Uh, but first, we're going to, you know, I'm going to interview Tiffany and just hear a little bit about her story. And then we're going to bounce around to Sasha and Dale and, and hear from them as well. So, Tiffany, what, how old were you when you got injured? I was a senior in high school, so 17 and a half, six months before 18 years old. Wow. So before you graduated, after being in the wheelchair, did you have to graduate from a wheelchair? Well, they, they pretty much presumed me dead on scene along with uh, three others. So they necessarily didn't know that I would even go back to high school or graduate and attend college and all of those things. But thank God I was able to do so. And I made the conscious choice once waking up after spending three weeks in a coma that I wanted to graduate with my class. And uh, I, I did roll across the stage in my chair. Wow, that's, that's incredible to get have an injury, get into the chair, and just have the confidence and, and the willingness to put yourself out there to, to roll across stage and graduate. Yeah, I mean, I was quite rebellious, and sometimes my father would literally have to drag me out by my ankles to go to school. And for me, it was the least I could do for my dad was just to graduate uh, 
kind of thank him for all the crap he put up with. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I hated school too. Yeah. Yeah, my uh my parents uh <laughs> yeah, that it's definitely I think harder seeing from the outside your parents looking down on their child who's been injured yeah. and you know for for yourself it's like you can you can deal with this mentally and you know you're you're strong-willed so you know you're gonna go through it but at the end of the day for me anyway it was harder to watch my parents have to watch me go through something like this exactly it's yeah it's 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 how do you say it um to see your family hurting you know so sometimes I think or most often what I did personally was I immediately put on the mask that I'm completely fine, everything's okay, I'm happy, which I, I was happy to be alive and grateful for that. But um, it prolonged my healing process um, on the mental plane, I guess. Okay, so tell me what it was like for you uh, after you got injured and in, in your hospital experience, inpatient, outpatient. Yeah, uh, very, very fortunate that an off-duty fireman paramedic happened to be driving by and seeing that I was still alive in the wreckage, and they um, meta-flighted me to the nearest hospital with only a 5% chance of survival. And, you know, the story is quite long and in-depth, and that will come out in my book one of these days. Um, You're going to write a book. Yes, I have it. I just got to get the literary agent and all that good stuff lined up. But... Yeah, so... What is your book about? It shares the ups, the downs, the all-arounds, you know, the spinal cord injury and my journey thus far, definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, so back to what you had asked in regards to what it was like in the hospital. I mean, I grew up countryside, you know, but my mom also lived in Stockton, so I had both lives. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... It was not what I anticipated. I didn't go to the hospital growing up. It wasn't a frequent thing, you know. So once I was there and I woke up from being in that um, that coma, it was like, oh, God, how long do I have to be here? When can I get out? And I couldn't feel my legs. They were numb and tingly. And I, um, my father brought a wheelchair to the side of the bed, and I remember very vividly asking, Daddy, why can't I feel my legs? Daddy, why can't I feel my legs? And he's just... You know, like any father or parent would do immediately. It was like, everything's going to be okay. Let me just show you where you've been living. And he took me on to like the third floor of uh, where they medified me to a second hospital, Santa Clara Valley Medical Center. And he then proceeded to say, but I stopped him before he even said it. I didn't even know what the word paralysis meant or understood it, but I knew what he was about to say had to do with being paralyzed. And I said, Daddy, please don't. He's like, if I could do anything in the world, it would be trade places with you at this very moment. And he just said, God has blessed us with your life, and that is a miracle in itself. If he blesses us with another one, that is going to be you walking. So So immediately he started taking the positives out of this situation. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as you know, it's hard to see your family hurting for something that happened to you. For sure. And, you know, for me, and I'm sure it's the same case for all of you guys, it's like you can't dwell on the negative. You have to look at what you have versus what you don't have. Mm -hmm. You have to see how well you got it and and that it always can be worse. So so after inpatient... You know, I, I you told me a little bit. You're yeah. a little bit on the yeah. stubborn side. A little bit. So you wanted to get out of the <laughs> hospital as soon as you can. And who could blame you? Who wants to sit in the hospital bed and, you know, on a tube feed and yeah. have all these nurses coming up to you middle of the night, can't even get four hours of right. sleep in. And 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely, yeah, you can't get a good night's sleep in the hospital. And, you know, I don't really, I haven't mentioned this too often, but, uh, you know, from being in the coma state, they had actually projected to my family, she's not going to be able to communicate, think and talk, you know, as she once did. And they moved me to the brain injury ward. And that was a huge wake up call for me. Um, I was so stubborn that I wouldn't even answer the psychologist's questions. And my dad's like, Tiffany, can you please just answer her questions? But I wouldn't. And then they moved me to the brain injury ward. <laughs> so, because yeah. they thought you had a brain injury because you weren't responding? Yeah. Like it, they thought it was more intense than what it was. And so, what, did they, what did they find out? Uh, well, again, my stubbornness. <laughs> my dad had to trick me to get you know, me to answer the questions that they needed to and had the doctor outside of the room. And then they're like, okay, she's clearly fine. Move her down. But being on that floor with people that had traumatic brain injuries is like, you know, it just, it's awakening that everybody is affected. You know, it's not just the person that it happened to entire families. It's a ripple effect, you know? And for you, you were a victim of this drunk driving accident. Looking at my situation, I wasn't a victim. I did this to myself. I put myself in that position. I decided to take those keys and drive that car home. How do you go from being a victim to saying, I'm not a victim anymore. I'm going to live life. I'm not going to feel bad for myself, and I'm not going to let this hinder what I want to do. You know, I immediately woke up grateful that I was alive, period, Um, It wasn't about pushing blame and stating, wow, I'm a victim because this person did this uh, selfish, irresponsible act. It was more, I felt a sense of uh, overwhelming pressure and how can I um, uplift all the lives that have been affected by this act and how can I help change other people's perspective and make responsible decisions you know, when it comes to drinking and driving. So immediately you felt that you wanted to help others and that you didn't yeah. see yourself as this victim, but you saw yeah. yourself as, as having an opportunity to be able to reach others. Yeah, it, it definitely. I felt that it literally pushed me into my purpose to advocate for the greater good. Um, I Forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness is huge. And I forgave the drunk driver immediately and... Um, how can I uplift all of these lives that were taken due to her act, you know, getting so, behind So you're life. immediately motivated. I felt an overwhelming sense of pressure because of I, I knew I had a huge calling on my life. For a while, I questioned it in the sense of like, wow, okay, God, what can I do with this? Like this is, you know, and I didn't necessarily understand I was dealing with survivor guilt and uh, post-traumatic stress. Wow. So did you go to therapy as an outpatient and, and try to... Trying to work that out? (laughs) No. I, yes, I was recommended to do therapy and all those things. I didn't even do traditional rehab in the hospital. I'm very independent in the sense of if I'm going to live this, I'm going to figure it out. And uh, I sought alternative healing, um, exercise, fitness, meditation, uh, acupuncture, uh, many, many, many um, interpersonal workings that I've yeah, and psychology courses myself. Wow, that's amazing. So I know some people, it's like they, they have a hard time motivating themselves to get to therapy. But you said, screw therapy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on my own. I'm going to handle this. 
Yeah, that's, it's that stubborn in me. And um, that's that's great. You know, I think stubbornness, you know, is is a, a positive thing in, in a lot of senses, right? Like if a doctor tells be. you, <laughs> if the doctor tells you you're never going to walk again, yeah. bullshit, I'm going to walk again. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I used to sneak out of the hospital sometimes. And then one time I got caught and my grandpa's like, aren't you going to say anything? We've been looking all over for you the hospital the entire time. And my dad's like, nah, the little bitch is back. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, dad. I'm now I'm gonna I'm gonna transition here uh, to to the panel to Sasha and Dell and you know I want to hear about their experiences dealing with their injury you know what was what was the most difficult thing for you guys to cope with and where did you turn to for support? To me or Dale? Uh, Sasha. Okay. Please, you have the floor. Sh- Chivalry's not dead here. Okay, on this podcast. <laughs> Alrighty. Um. Well. I would say that for me, like, I've always been a super social person. Um, I've always, like, always been with my friends. Like, just I've loved to talk to people. So the biggest thing for me is to have that support system through my friends and family. And I was so lucky to have, like, people that came and visited me every single day. Um, And I know that everyone, not everyone has that. And I... I wish everyone could have that because for me that made such a big impact in my recovery in my mindset I knew that if my family and friends are there that I could do anything um and I know for others it could be like religion or um maybe you are looking for solace through exercise through anything but for me the biggest thing was my friends what would you say to somebody sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there what would you say to somebody who doesn't have that support group of friends Well, I mean, just with, like, a spinal cord injury, how, like, every spinal cord injury is different, um, you have to find what works for you. I mean, some people aren't social. Some people um, don't mind being alone, and that's not a bad thing. It just means that you have to find something that makes you happy and, in this case, recover. So if, like I said, that's through a support system elsewhere, that's where you should turn. I mean... For me, it was friends and family. Dale, can you do me a little bit? Uh, tell me, tell me about you. What was what was the worst thing that you had to cope with and deal with emotionally, physically? Okay, so I was very active, and I think that the hardest thing for me was just lying in bed for the first six weeks, not being able to move. Um, I can emphasize, em- sorry, emphasize with you, um, Tiffany. Empathize even. Um, you were talking about survivor's guilt and forgiveness I had that with my injury uh, and the person who injured me very early on and I I managed to forgive the guy straight away Um, in terms of dealing with it Dale didn't you tell me I remember talking to you a bit before the podcast that when this happened to you you, as soon as you got hit with that with that friendly fire you you (laughs) laughed I did yeah so I'll just quickly just run through the story for sure because people obviously it is a little bit of context i was on a range so this was an operational tour i was in the falkland islands and um i was helping another infantry company train and one of those guys accidentally shot me on the range so it was it was one of those things it happened and as it hit me i thought i got hit by a flare so i laughed and um i reached around to pat the flames out on my back i don't know why but by that point i was already on the floor but straight away, um, I never had any malice towards the guy. It was it was an accident. It was a deliberate shot, but he thought he was shooting a target. So 
you know, the forgiveness was there. I, I never, I never saw anything from him. I find it really interesting how you guys, I mean, I'm, I applaud that you guys found forgiveness so quickly. I mean, I feel like a lot of times with this injury and especially with me, like I had a lot of anger in the beginning and I mean, I don't necessarily blame myself for having anger or anyone because it's such a life-changing injury and I just find it like amazing how you guys found forgiveness so quickly. Wow, I have to say really quickly, um, the only freedom is through forgiveness. Yeah. And uh, another thing though, there's it's okay to feel anger. You're When you're grieving and mourning the life that once was, that's natural, you go through yeah. phases, right? But yeah, forgiveness is freedom. It's hard because like, like you said, every injury is different, every scenario is different. With this guy, I forgave him straight away because it was an accident. Um, but I also knew that he would have a harder time in my own head. I knew that he would have a harder time with my injury than I would. Yes, physically for me, it was going to be hard, but for him, it would destroy him. And it did, you know, it ended his career. He turned to alcohol, even his mother. I mean, I never knew the guy, but even his mother went on antidepressants because she thought her son was going to prison. And all of this happened to him just because it happened to me. And there was nothing, there's nothing you can say to someone. I, I pass messages to him to say, just get on with your life. You know, I'm going to get on with mine. I'm alive. It doesn't matter. It's it's down to that person. Right. You got to take the positives out of all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, what, so Dale, what was, as far as support, where did you, where did you turn to? Yeah. I think friends and family, as was mentioned, were my biggest support. I was in, let's say, military friends, military family were a big support. The hardest thing for me was the not knowing, uh, not my not knowing, everyone else's. I already, I was already focused on what I was going to do and how I was going to proceed over the next coming months. No one else had a clue. So everyone was trying to help as much as they could and just kept getting it wrong <laughs> in the in the sure. best way. Right, like trying um, to help so but actually making it worse. And... Not even making it worse, but just trying to help, but admitting while they're helping, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think <laughs> that, was, that was the hardest thing. For sure. And I know for me too, a lot of it was family and friends, but a lot of it was also playing sports for me. I was an athlete my whole life, so getting into wheelchair sports really helped kind of put things back on track, have something to look forward to, um, you know, marathons, triathlons. I started playing wheelchair basketball, and actually I think I'm better now in a wheelchair than, <laughs> I, than I was prior to injury. That's so bad. Yeah, I was, I was pretty bad before my injury. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so the, as far as support, that way I found other people going through similar injuries as me, and the biggest thing that I came to learn was that I'm not alone, that there's other people going through this yeah. injury. You know, I know Instagram was yeah. a huge support of just seeing all these people who are living with these injuries and, and dealing with it. And they're put, posting their lives on Instagram to show you that you can live a, a great life. And regardless of injury, you can pursue your dreams. Yes. So as far as things out there for, for SEI to, to get involved, you know, what have you guys seen that is, is a great support to turn to for people who just sustained or who have been had an injury for a while in their life? Well, 
I have to say, you know, my injury is 16 years old, so yeah, Instagram wasn't yeah there around was, back then. Yeah, yeah right. What do we do? <laughs> Instagram without what? Instagram. No. Yeah, this I was like in the beeper days where like <laughs> you send numbers and then you turn your beeper upside down and it said something like that's when my spinal cord injury happened. So we send we send uh, smoke signals now. So <laughs> telegraphs. <laughs> no. um, for me, I didn't necessarily have uh, that where I was like, wow, I'm not a total alien on this earth. I felt quite indifferent for a while. Um, yeah, I def- there wasn't like spinal cord injury uh, awareness. There wasn't, you know, but I, I definitely had a dream and a vision prior to sustaining a spinal cord injury of being in film and television. I went back to what I was what I was used to. Um, I did a lot of sport. I was very active, and I just went straight back to that. There were so, there were charities involved. So, what were some of the things that you used to do that you still found that you were able to do? Um, <sighs> different things, not things I used to. So, I was active, and wouldn't say I did everything I did before my injury. I did new things, and I pushed myself constantly. Um, I, I did basic starts with raw skin. Um, some more tamer stuff in the early days like archery but yeah moved on to water skiing i um, used to didn't jump out of planes well didn't you before your injury i used to jump out of planes yeah what, so um what, what did you what is have you done anything recently as thrilling and adrenaline rushing as that yeah so i i still haven't actually done any form of skydiving since my injury and that that's upsetting because i i can't imagine why i haven't but i just haven't i've pushed myself in other ways so just before my injury, I was looking into wing walking. Does everybody know what What's, wing walking can you, is? Can you explain <laughs> yeah, that for us? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> okay, so you see the old uh, 1950s biplanes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the two wings. They basically, you, you stand on one of them, strap yourself to it, and they fly around. <laughs> no way I could do so that. Basically, yeah. You're basically Superman is what yeah. you're telling us. Yeah, kind of. Now, I, I looked into doing that before my injury, and then I had my injury, and I forgot all about it. And three years on, I got in touch with the team that were in my local area and I went up and saw them and they said, look, you've got to do this. So I got a load of calipers on, climbed up on top of the plane and the owner of the plane took me up and I went wing walking. Wow. And it was kind of like one of those things that I was going to do and then I actually completed post-injury and that that was was huge for me. Please tell me you have footage of that so we can check it out. I I do, I have, yeah, it's on my Instagram, there's photos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just push yourself, and that—that's. I think that's the key. Is every everyone I've seen succeed? They—they've just. When someone says no, you say why not. So next time I'm on um, American Airlines, I need to tell them to open up the, the, the wingway so I can try some of your stunts. <laughs> so I think absolutely be, best think, seat in the house. I think it might be called wing rolling if uh, if we try that. <laughs> wing rolling—that's a good one. <laughs> um, so transitioning from the hospital, uh, going back to the home to civilian life. What what was that like, Sasha? I'd say that was the toughest part of my injury. Like even being in the hospital compared to when I first got home, I think, I don't know how you guys felt, but that was like the biggest like realization that like, cause like, a nor- like with a lot of injuries or sicknesses, you go to the hospital and in that time period of being in the hospital, you get better and you go home and it's kind of like normal. But with a spinal cord injury, obviously being a lifelong injury, um, you go home and it's not all better and you have to continue working at it and you're thrown into this new life and you don't know like what to expect or 
how people are going to treat you differently. And I was only in the hospital for three and a half weeks to about a month. So I was discharged very, very quickly. Um, I didn't know how to do a lot of I'm not going to go super into detail right now, but a lot get of the it. things that get come... It. Detail us out. We want to know. Okay, so I, I didn't even know, like, how to cast myself. They, I wasn't, like, they didn't teach me very well. I only had a few days of um, knowledge with that. Um, I was using my wheelchair, but I was, like, practicing walking with a walker. I didn't, like, know what, like, where to go with a wheelchair and mm-hmm. where to try my walker. I find, like, I'm always in the way a lot of times yeah, in my wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, you feel <laughs> like Yeah, <laughs> so being at home... Um, that first month was probably the hardest part, but what you just have to put yourself out there. I mean, as soon as I started like getting more involved with my friends and like going out more and not feeling self-conscious is when I became a lot happier. Um, I mean, sticking like staying in home in bed is the worst possible thing right. that you can do. Yeah, it's sitting at home not doing anything. You gotta you gotta get out of that out of that house, make moves, and go outside and just do something you enjoy. Yeah. Tiffany, what was it like for you in the, going back into the community? Um, well, you know, they had projected I'd be in the hospital for like six or nine months. So I So after you left, left after early, four yeah. days because you wanted <laughs> yeah. to get out of there. Um, yeah, I think people definitely, you know, should take up the opportunities if they have the ability to learn in, you know, the rehab facilities. But... I, yeah, I got in the hospital October 15th, and then three weeks later, I woke up in November, and then I left the hospital December 21st, so then I went back to high school, graduated um, with my class, and, you know, went back to high school February, graduated with the class in June, got my driver's license in July, started college in August, got two jobs, and then I moved to Los Angeles a couple years later, so I just kept moving, and yeah, I mean, there was times I flipped out of my chair because clearly I didn't do the traditional rehab and learn mm-hmm. all of those things. I'm like, I got this. So popping right. wheels. Crack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I learned the hard way, needless to say. For sure. But I will, t- to top on, um, when you get back into society as a whole, and yeah, like you said, Shane, when you're like, oh, you kind of feel like you're always in the way, you know, you can't really just like blend in. You definitely stand out. Sore yeah. thumb status. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, you know, I hadn't turned 21 yet. So I was definitely like putting glow sticks on my chair. I was do- wearing wigs. I was totally out there, you know, <laughs> going to San Francisco often in the city and just, you know, doing that whole, you know, party type scene. And I remember though for quite some time, it was very hard for me to see my reflection and every time I saw my reflection like passing through a a window and I saw that I immediately turned away because I felt like it was this metal thing that was just thrown onto my body but it didn't necessarily belong to me for sure so I get that too now do you guys uh speaking about partying and going to the bar (laughs) any uh any how tell me some stories about that how uh how have your experiences been since Going out into the community, being social. Sasha. Sasha, I want to hear some. Karaoke. I know you got yeah, some good ones. You party time. animal. Just turned 21 out here. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Turn okay. up. Well, for me, it's very interesting, um, especially like compared to you guys in the podcast, is since I can walk, 
I mean, I'm very thankful for that. I've been blessed with a very, like, good recovery, but it's far from perfect. Uh, I don't walk like your traditional able-bodied person, so going to the bars and going out in, like, a traditional college sense has, like, lent itself to be a pretty interesting experience. Um, oh, yeah? Any uh, any <laughs> special experiences you want to talk about? <laughs> so, actually, uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I... I went down to a college in Ohio, Ohio University. Uh, it's a huge party school, if any of you are aware. <laughs> and I was visiting one of my best friends from high school. Uh, we were celebrating a birthday. So we went out to the bar, and, I mean, I had some drinks in me. I'm not going to act like I was like, stone-cold sober. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. But, I mean, I was good. I Everyone in a college town is lightly drunk already. So I went up to the bar, and I handed them my... I handed the bouncer my ID, and he handed it back to me and said no. And I was like, I used to go on to bars all the time underage, so immediately I thought he was like, th- I thought I had a fake ID. So I was like, no, like this is real. I'm actually 21. No, this for is one. real this yeah. time. <laughs> this is real this time. And he was like, no, I know it's not fake. Like that's not the reason I'm not letting you in. And I'm like, well then, like what is it? And he was like, you ca- you can't walk right. And I was like. Are you kidding me? Oh, so, <laughs> he thought you were inebriated. He yeah, thought he you were hammered because you had hammered. a disability. Yes, <laughs> he thought I was hammered. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, like, I, I for real, like, I have a disability. And he Sir, was. Sir, <laughs> I am so not hammered. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I see, I see drunk college girls like you all the time. And at this point, <laughs> and at this point you didn't have your walking stick. No, right? you so I, like I walk with a walking stick a lot. It's like a, a hiking pole. And it depending on the day, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. And for some reason, I didn't decide to use it, which is not very, like, common for me when I'm drinking. Usually if I'm drinking, I do use it. But I didn't have it with me, so I had, like, no, like, proof other than, like, I guess I could have just, like, flashed him the scar. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not lying. But, yeah, so. Um, Did he let you in? No. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I walked away, and I think at that point, like, once he saw me, like, walk a greater distance, like, he saw, like, okay, this isn't this isn't a drunk girl walk. Like, <laughs> this is, like, this doesn't seem right. And the manager ran after us, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, I'm not going in your bar. <laughs> no, yeah, so uh, I get stuff like that all the time. Like, b- bouncers, uh, bartenders, they, they want to cut me off early. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes oh, wow. it, these things happen. <laughs> Tiffany, uh, any any experiences you'd like to share? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, there's been a few. Uh, I can't think of one. All right, well, we'll come back to you. I know I know my man Dale out in the UK is getting down. Most of the time, it's just falling out my chair drunk. <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. Uh, falling out my chair drunk into swimming pools, <laughs> chair first, then me. It, it just, yeah, it, it always ends up. Because I'm drunk. I uh, obviously I couldn't I couldn't Story drink in life. hospital. I um I went left hospital, went back to the military, and when I was first allowed home, soldiers were just like, "Yeah, he's back." Uh, I think one of the first trips I ever did was uh, it was an Army Navy rugby match at Twickenham in London, and that was pretty crazy. Dancing Dale is back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody loves a dancing. Uh, guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of lap dances, too. Uh, yeah, I think I, there, I it spent, has its advantages, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, I a lot of the time, most of the times I fell out of my chair is because someone actually pushed me. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, one on of purpose? those was one. Of, yeah, no, no, not on okay. purpose. One of them was uh, he was a consultant, 
um, at a rehab centre and he was drunk as well and he was helping me down the curb and just dropped me. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And I have never let him live it down since. That's so funny. <laughs> it's funny, I, like sometimes when I go to the bar, I feel like Moses because when someone sees a wheelchair and there's a crowd, they don't know how to act and they kind of freak out or feel, you know, sympathetic and mm-hmm. yeah all of a sudden the seas part and they just yes. have a clear path to the bar yeah. uh, it, it works out sometimes <laughs> like light but, shining on you right like, <laughs> like oh some oh, a lot of the times yeah when you're going into places and it's dark and the bouncers are trying to help you through they have a light shining in oh the, and gosh, they guide yeah. you and it's super <laughs> annoying because it's yeah. like all right i don't want to want to draw attention be this guy that's already have enough attention drawn to me and then they flash this light and it's like all right, look out. There's a disabled person coming through. Everybody move. Yeah, I mean, at least they're trying to accommodate. No, they are helping. That. I'll, give them, I'll know, give them that. Wanna, like, blend yeah. In and, yeah. It's like, look, I, guys, I'm here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I, I scared a barman once. I Because um, more recently, I've, I've been walking in my calipers and I went into a nightclub. Uh, don't normally do it. <laughs> and I stood at the bar. I stood at the bar in in my brace, and I ordered a drink. He turned round, and at that moment, my brace gave way. Oh God! <laughs> and I I kind of just twerked, slut, slut drop, <laughs> just slut drop to the floor, holding onto the slut bar. Drop. And as he turned back round, <laughs> I was gone. And he just had three drinks in his hand, and everyone, all my friends were there, and they're just looking at it like what's going on and then i pulled myself back up and it just scared the crap out of me so yeah drunken spinal cord injured don't tend to go yeah, right did he, did, he think, did he try to cut you off because he thought you were hammered after you fell he kind of just looked surprised and even so with with spinal cord injuries and people living in wheelchairs i think people put a stigmatism on a person in a chair that they're different and yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah maybe talk about that all the time maybe because physically on the outside you know i just use this to get around i'm still who i am you know people people definitely look at you and, and feel a certain type of way i mean i've noticed it you know with just with how girls look at me and women look at me it's how do you feel that they look and treat you i'm curious from a different perspective like i know my personal experiences with guys so like how is it for you with yeah, women like do you feel that they're like so I see I see a lot of them, you know, a lot of them will, you know, give me the time of day and pay attention. But a lot of them, whether they're shallow or not, and if they are, I don't even want to be with them anyway, because maybe they see that, I don't know, they can't have as much fun with you or they because you're different. Exactly. To be the case. Listen, you come out with me, I'm going to show you a fun time. I promise <laughs> you that. But yeah, so they, they look at you and, and maybe they feel like you can't do as much as an able-bodied person or maybe yeah, do they, they ask you silly questions too, like, so, Does uh, it work? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten that yeah, a couple I times. I was like, uh, you want to find out? It's <laughs> <laughs> probably my response to it. That's a but, perfect response. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, they they do they do tend to look at you differently. But I've met plenty of women who don't. So you know, it's it's that mixture, right? You, yeah. you see, you know, some of them are accepting of it, and others just don't understand. And you know, I knew nothing about spinal cord injuries before I was injured. I don't um, think any of us did. Yeah. How do you feel about? you know you know going in and guys and, and just how people look at you different it's just so hard because like there's such a fine line and this can be not just with guys like friends anyone mm-hmm. that's in your life between like wanting them to be compassionate and like understand like um like the struggles you face but at the same time not treat you any differently and like know that you can do all the things that they can just differently and i think that's like a 
big part of this injury is thinking like trying to educate people in that way and that's why like I'm so open about this injury and like willing to do this podcast is because I want people to know that like yes I still go out like yes like I I still I'm gonna go back to school yes I can still date people like that's it's not different you know it's good because I mean yeah people are going to be able to look up to you for so many different things and you're so young you're 21 <laughs> you know because i'm the baby of the podcast you are the baby of the podcast <laughs> you're you're baby spice baby spice so do you even know who the spice <laughs> yes i know okay. <laughs> if my therapist listens to this she will laugh because like she had to give me a full she's only 27 <laughs> and she had to give me a full rundown of each spice girl <laughs> and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we've reached a segment in our show called You Botched It. And it's where we talk and laugh at ourselves about just things that we've experienced, funny things. You know, sometimes you fall, you get up, mm-hmm. other things happen, just being in a wheelchair. Uh, can you guys share a couple of stories or, you know, one off the top of your head that you can think of to just, you got to laugh at yourself, you know, because if, if you can't laugh at yourself, then, I mean, what can you do? I have a pretty funny one. Let's hear it, Sasha. Yeah. So it's like a mixture of like college story, but with my spinal cord injury, like directly interplaying. <laughs> so um, gets pretty in depth into the the dirty nerdy. Dirty nerdy. Sounds like a Comic Con thing. But like I don't know what I was dirty saying. nerdy. That's a new one. Yeah, I'll have to hashtag say that. new hashtag. A fetish. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Where's all those wheelchair fetish people at? You know, they, you know they're out there. Okay, no. Yeah, there's a I lot of those. you guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully my friend doesn't kill me for sharing this story. Oh, but yes. uh, I'm excited about this. So last or this past New Year's, so like I said, my injury was just last year. So I, the amount of stories I have is condensed within a year and four months. But uh, last New Year's, I went up to Madison, Wisconsin to visit my old college friends. And it was... A great time and I had a blast but try to get the story pretty quick uh, Wisconsin is pretty fun I remember this is back in the day this is before the trip like they have like jungle juice they have these really crazy <laughs> Madison is just like you picture like a college movie like that's what it is yeah anyway so um we all went out had a good time uh came back to like one of my best guy friends um we like all like had like after hours party or whatever and I fell asleep on his couch, and having a spinal cord injury and drinking, of course I pee my pants. <laughs> and Oops. I'm like, great. And like they all know you this. They don't, it. they don't care. But no, the story gets better. Oh my god. So I woke up like super early that morning, and it was like 7 a.m. No one had woken up yet, and I was like, okay, I have to change. Like this is gross. Like ew. So I'm like. I had, like, the most hard-to-get-off outfit. Like, I had tights, I had boots, I had my brace. Like, I did not want to, like, full-out change. So I'm, like, walking around the like, kitchen and stuff, and I see this, like, giant kitchen knife. And, like, this is just, like, my, oh my 21-year-old college self. Like, I'm, like, I'll just, like, cut off what I have on. And so, like, I cut off... I cut off my underwear. Not a good move. Oh, my you God. Was anyone own. awake? No, no one was awake. It's because you couldn't get the outfit off? Yeah, I didn't want to, like, I wanted to, like, get home to my other friend's house as soon as possible. Like, I was in a state of freak out mode. So I, like, cut off my underwear. And 
like the ones I peed in and like I totally like I botched it. I left them <laughs> just there. Oh my I god. I left them no. on oh the kitchen god. table. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you forget? I forgot and I got home. I just like it wasn't me. I don't know who it was. No, that's, like it was shady. the biggest joke for three months. He texted Who's- me. Panties yeah, are no, in my like house. I, we, they all the guys in the house because it was a guy's house. Were like, who hooked up with the girl in the red underwear? Like, oh whose underwear god. is oh this? Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, little do you guys know, those are the ones I peed in because I have a spinal cord injury. But did you and, did you tell them that? Uh, not for Unless three they months. Smelled them. They didn't. They, and they were like all <laughs> cut up. They're like, what happened? They were cut up on the dining room table. Dale, and I know you got some funny ones for us. I um, I accidentally convinced a woman that she'd injured me three years after. <laughs> oh my god. Do tell. Um, I uh, I was driving my car and I had my caliper on my right leg and I was going to brake, going to a bend, and I couldn't brake because it hit my brace. So I went careering around the bend and hit the back of her van as she was going the other way. Um, I pulled up on the side and my wheelchair was in the the boot of the car, the trunk Uh of the car. And she came running over, ranting. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't get out. I'm paralyzed. (laughs) (laughs) She just went white and staggered back into the road. Um, and I had to then try and convince her that she hadn't actually paralyzed someone in the car. Oh, accident. God, you probably put so much um, guilt on her right yeah. there. <laughs> well, she got, she got so embarrassed at one point, I explained what had happened, and she said, why the hell are you driving then? <laughs> oh, yes. And then that kind of leads on to a whole other subject. But yeah, she... She thought you just threw your foot on the gas pedal and <laughs> hoped for the Yeah, best. I don't know. <laughs> has, any, has anyone's wheel ever fallen off? I've uh, <laughs> yes. I've had it where like someone's helped me get my chair out of the car because I'm with friends and they've yeah and they haven't put the wheel in correctly so I'm sitting there just kind of pulling on them to make sure uh, they're in and I might have pulled too hard and <laughs> just flipped back. Yeah. What about what about you? Yeah, that's happened to me a few times. You you, you know I travel and there's people put my wheels on and yeah. I get complacent. Kill the wheel off and yeah, it just that comes happened off. Really, <laughs> yes, when so, yeah, at the gym, I was doing the ergometer, like the hand, um, yeah, the cardio machine, and I'm going, 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 and all of a sudden, I don't even know how. My thank God, I was holding on to the hand um, cardio piece of equipment, the ergon- ergometer. My wheel fell off, but thank God, I was holding on to the <laughs> handles oh at Gold's gym, and I was like, oh my God! Luckily, I like was able to like I don't even know how I did it. Like there was a leg machine next to me, so I was totally like teeter tottered over, and I put my wheel back on after it flew off. <laughs> thank God, I didn't roll away. I came. Uh, I got off the airplane. And you know how they, you know, you're the first one on, you're the last one off, and they have all the assistance of the wheelchairs to help you off the plane. So this old lady got off the plane, and instead of grabbing one of the uh, wheelchairs that the airport provides, (laughs) she she grabbed mine. And so she has this person pushing her and say, oh, yeah, that's my wheelchair. And she gets off. She she takes my wheelchair. So I'm ready to get off the plane, and I have no wheelchair for me to use there. So the captain of the flight had to track this lady down in order to get my wheelchair back. It was like 30 minutes of tracking her down. She was in it. She, she was in my it? everyday wheelchair. Stop it. Yeah, she she just didn't know. So, this one looks nice. I'll, I'll take I'll that. Take I'll that. take that. <laughs> the airplane ones are like those big, ugly Yeah, blue huge ones. ones. Yeah, she must have like, oh, this, this must be the new models they <laughs> got this year. That's <laughs> <laughs> That happened to me in Germany, actually. Um, I was... I had no idea that, you know, they do things differently, right, with um, we America. We have the American Disability Act, thank God, that came into place yeah. in 1990. But not that 
I, I don't necessarily know all the the way things work in Germany. And oh man, they couldn't find my my chair for a long time, and I had to maneuver in those big hospital Ugh. looking ones in the airport go to the restroom and everything yeah and that's not fun yeah traveling overseas is i'm sure dale you've experienced it more than than anyone it's just the yeah. accessibility and i think different cultures have different ideas Very as well so. um yeah europe's crazy some some are good some are bad uh the middle east that's a whole new ball game <laughs> that's on yeah, that's uncharted territory i think well, dubai i it seems. I would be, think they would be super accessible. Seems, yeah. I mean, it seems to be very. They got money. They're not short on. They are funds. good. Yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. So. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily the accessibility of the buildings. It's more the attitude of people there, and it's yeah. not just Dubai. It's it's they, Asia they look down as well. On you because um, of a disability. It's not that they look down on you, they just don't know how to deal with it, so they instantly treat everyone the same. And I think the, the, the most common thing that's happened to me in the Middle East is whoever I'm traveling with, the airport staff will go up to those people and say, can he walk? Like you're not a like per actual not person. There. Like you're a dog. And then you just look at it and say, yeah, I can, I can talk <laughs> Yeah, well. and I can hear you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so coming into the end of this podcast, it's been amazing to talk to you guys, and I'm so appreciative of you guys coming on here. I wanted you guys to say your input to someone who's listening to this. What would you tell them sustaining a spinal cord injury and how to how if they're if they're just they're doing bad and and they they want to do better and they're depressed and what would you tell them? What would you say to them to to motivate them and to to encourage them to live life and make moves? Um I think like for me and I kind of touched on this earlier and I'll add something else kind of is like you have to be able to laugh at yourself kind of like what we just ended on uh, a big thing for me is like humor with family and friends and you just need to know like that there's so many not so many but a lot of other people with spinal cord injuries and disabilities and in this day and age we're very lucky to be in a society that is really accepting and willing to learn and to listen to us and as we grow it's gonna even get better so yeah i mean you just have to stay positive that sounds really cliche but it's true it's it really is true i mean when you get in a negative spiral i mean it it affects everything in your life it's a really good question right because it's not a one size fits all for everyone you know as uh sasha had mentioned earlier in regards to different support systems and what people you know uh, respond to different things uh, I feel it's imperative, honestly, that you really get to know yourself. You get to know you and know that happiness is not something that is sought outside of yourself. It really does come from a place inside of you. And knowing that you can tap into that joyful place at any time and have inner peace, it begins with knowing yourself, knowing your triggers, knowing, you know, it's it's important to get to know yourself and grieve the feelings, mourn them, honor them, but don't get caught in the past so much so. You know, that old saying, the past, you're going to be what? Depressed. There's too much in the future, you're going to be what? Anxious. And if you're in the present moment, which is what all we truly do have is the present moment, then yeah, you're... For sure, you can't do anything about the past and, mm-hmm. you know, your future is 
is going to be there if, you know, hopefully if, you know, you're blessed enough to see that and you just, you got to live for the president and live for yourself for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that everyone goes on that emotional roller coaster ride and the, the biggest thing you need to do is make it a little less bumpy. Um, and for me, the best way to do that was to focus more about what I can do tomorrow, not what I want to do tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to walk and run tomorrow, but I can do something else to make it a little bit better. So set today as the zero point and make tomorrow a better day and then the next day and the next day. Well, thank you guys so much for, for joining yeah, Making yeah, Moves and uh, stay tuned, listeners, for possible upcoming podcasts we hope you like this and we look forward to sharing our lives with you some more thank you guys so much for joining us thank Thank you you. making moves Moves is produced by connected social media with support from the christopher reese foundation and exobionics i'm shane mosco